Hello and welcome to Four for State, a show about journalism. We're coming to you from Tiriciar in Sydney on Gadigal lands of the Euro Nation right across Australia on the Community Radio Network and directly to your device across the globe via podcast. I'm Anthony Dockwell. It's not every day a small media company invites one of the most powerful media moguls to sue them. The media are calling this the David and Goliath battle. Crikey News, a relatively small independent Australian news website under the banner of private media, is fighting a legal battle with Lachlan Murdoch, Chief Executive Officer and Executive Chairman of Fox and Co-Chairman of News Corp. And of course, he is the eldest son of Rupert Murdoch. After a legal back and forth between Crikey News and Lachlan Murdoch's law team over an opinion piece about the US Capitol riots, Crikey made the bold decision to publish all their legal correspondence and direct an open letter to Lachlan Murdoch, published in the New York Times. The defamation case originates from an article on the 29th of June by Crikey News journalist Bernard Keane. In the legal action against private media, Lachlan Murdoch's lawyers claim the opinion piece is defamatory because they allege it links the Murdoch family to the US Capitol riots on January 6th. While the article did not refer to Lachlan Murdoch, rather the family name, Lachlan Murdoch filed a defamation lawsuit last week. To discuss all of this, we are joined by Peter Frey, editor-in-chief of Crikey and managing editor of private media. Peter is, of course, a former host of Fourth Estate, and Janine Perrett, journalist, broadcaster and commentator, previously a presenter for Sky News and a columnist for Crikey News, she previously worked at the Sydney Morning Herald, the Australian Nine Network, and also guest host of ABC's Media Watch. Peter Frey and Janine Perrett, welcome to Fourth Estate. Hi, Lovely. Lovely to be here. Now, Peter, most media organisations are dodging defamation cases, not walking directly into them. You've effectively challenged Lachlan Murdoch in an advertisement in the New York Times to take out this defamation case. Why? Well, we published what we consider a... Uh, a very fair and reasonable piece of analysis that looked at the role of Fox News in the rise of Donald Trump and in particular the insurrection on January 6th in Washington, D.C. Uh, I've said this many times, but it's the sort of piece that uh, has been published in the United States many, many times. And uh, for reasons that, you know, I'm not inside of Lachlan Murdoch's head, but I, you know, obviously the headline had the word Murdoch in it, and there was a reference to the Murdochs in the piece. Um, Lachlan chose to take that as meaning himself and send us a, you know, a concerns notice. And I guess our first response was, really? I mean, do we really, are you really saying uh, that you, that we shouldn't be able to publish this article in this country and so i guess we're fighting this well we're not i don't guess i know we're fighting this on a matter of free speech and we believe that uh, australian audiences should be able to uh read this sort of robust debate um that crikey published on january the 29th of this year and which is we republished recently because uh even though we first took it down uh, we decided that um we were going to go the whole way here. And so I'm looking forward to uh, seeing Mr. Murdoch in court and hearing what he has to say. Now, you touched on freedom of speech and, uh, you know, the defamation laws changed in July last year. Public interest journalism has been pushed forward in the changes. Janine, do you believe these changes may protect Crikey? 
look, I'm not a legal expert, and as we know, this is going to be a test case for the new laws. I mean, I am very pleased to see changes in defamation laws. I've been doing this for 40 years, and I think it's the greatest threat to press freedom, uh, the uh, Australian defamation laws. So any changes are great. I'd like to see them tested in this case. Unfortunately, um, most, as we know, get settled out of court. The public interest defence, the free speech defence, it's going to be interesting because there is, and I know it's been talked about, and I'm not buying into this ahead of the case, but there is an argument that there is investigative journalism and there is opinion. And that is going to be interesting given that there is so much more opinion mixed with fact these days in media. It's going to be a very interesting line they'll have to walk. Yeah, and I do want to touch on this distinction between uh, investigative journalism and opinion later in the piece. Um, look, in March, Lachlan Murdoch spoke at the IPA lamenting YouTube's attack on freedom of speech in Australia. And he went on to say, in Australia, we should reject every effort. And there are many to limit points of view, to obstruct a diversity of opinion and to enforce a singular worldview. Those efforts are fundamentally anti-Australian. Peter, were you a little bit surprised that he took out this action? Oh, I was amazed. Uh, totally amazed. And oh, look, I think Lachlan Murdoch and his father and his grandfather, Keith Murdoch, have all spoken over many, many decades in this country and elsewhere about the importance of a free press. Um, News Corp uh, and Fox News in particular, you know, defends what it says on the basis that people have a right for robust free speech. Um, yes, I agree. I agree with Lachlan Murdoch. We, we, there are considerable constraints on what can be said, especially in this country. And I really, when he wrote, uh, when he said that stuff at the IPA, yeah, we covered it, and uh, and we've covered it subsequently. And you know, good on him for saying it. So, for him to then turn around and seek to sue us, threaten to sue us, seems to be at odds with those sentiments. Let's put it politely. Janine, Rupert Murdoch has never sued for defamation, even though he's been a major target of derision and criticism for decades. Uh, why do you think Lachlan Murdoch decided to launch this defamation suit when his father, you know, clearly hasn't been interested? Well, some would argue he must have a much thinner skin. I think it's a terrible trend. I think given uh, Rupert Murdoch, yes, has had a, a lot worse things said about him and he has taken that stand. Uh, I think it is a disturbing trend that his son, as Peter pointed out, who is an advocate even as recently as this year for free speech, um, would take this action knowing that his media empire here runs into the same problems of people suing them for defamation. I mean, he knows what it's like on the other side. So I think it's a, a, it is a disturbing trend. I actually think it's part of a broader problem I've always had if we take it, Lachlan Murdoch, whether you want to call him a media proprietor or a journalist, journalists suing journalists I have a problem with. There was one case, I don't know if you want to talk about Aaron Milan this week, but we're seeing more of it. We're seeing politicians. We're seeing, as I said, media people suing media people. I think this goes to the heart of what is wrong. We can all be hypocrites underneath if we uh, rail against the defamation laws and then want to use them ourselves. I mean, obviously, when there are particularly bad cases, you want to use the law. But I think we have to think carefully of this whole broad issue. And when you've got media proprietors like Lachlan um, changing something that his father had obviously felt that he would not sue, that is a major sea change and it's something we have to talk about in a broader context. Okay, well, look, you both have previously worked for News Corp. Um, 
How do you view the organisation today? I mean, have your views changed in recent years? I mean, Janine, you can go first. Oh, look, I'll, I'll own it. I was I worked at Sky for until a couple of years ago. It, before it was owned by um, all the major media groups, and then news took it over a few years ago. I started my career at the Australian, as did many people. The great Adele Ferguson at Fairfax. There's many, many good journalists who worked there. It was a different newspaper then. It was a a proper newspaper, less opinion. Um, under Les Hollings, it had uh, it was probably not as snorchly right wing as it is now, um, or not as polarizing, opinionated. Um, but over years, it's changed. Different editors change, have different views. But there's no doubt they have moved to the right. There's no doubt that the whole of media has become more polarized, more political, moves into their silos. Um, there is a lot of good journalism at News Corp. We've seen that with Teachers Pet this week. I mean, a great victory there for them. I think the shame is that you see more and more opinion creeping into the news pages and I get very frustrated, the Australian being my heart. I won't even start on the Daily Telegraph and the other, or news.comic as I call it, news.com.au. I mean, they're entertainment. Let's get serious. If you take them seriously, if you think they're a threat, well, I'll argue, debate the point. They're more entertainment than serious journalism. So there's a lot of arguments I can make about Sky or other. Sky is not Fox US. I, I agree with Janine, although, you know, it, it is a very, it's not a fully clear picture. I mean, you talk about news.com.au, well, Sam Maiden, you know, last year won the Gold Walkley for her work, which, you know, first appeared in news.com.au, and rightly so. And then you mentioned Hedley Thomas and Teacher's Pet, an amazing piece of journalism, and Chris Dawson would not, would still be a free man if that hadn't happened. So that's what makes news a, a conundrum in some ways. It does do some really great pieces of journalism, but at the same time, um, it has an agenda and it, and, it, and it basically has moved further to the right in, in general. You know, I think, again, to, to Janine's point, the media landscape has got more polarized and I don't think that serves readers as well as perhaps um, editors think it does. Uh, you know, I. I I think if, you know, why are people turning off news? Look at the recent, you know, news, uh, news survey by the University of Canberra. You know, we're losing people. We're losing people because in part, you know, in part because they're time poor, but also because, you know, they, if they want their opinions, there's lots of places to go and get opinions. You know, I think this is always a challenge for uh, something like Crikey. You know, I think we are robust, uh, you know, the piece that, uh, Bernard Keane wrote about um, Fox and Trump and that had Murdoch in the headline was a robust piece of analysis that, you know, I, some people would seek to portray that as a, um, you know, a lefty kind of piece. I don't. I think that as something just being very robust and through the middle. But we are living in this terrible polarised place. Um, and I don't know where we go from. I don't know where we get back to something that's a little bit more... Uh, modest maybe is the right word. And, and look, it's interesting. You've both kind of teased out that the, there's more to news than what you would read in a tweet on Twitter. Um, there's more diversity. Yeah, so I, there's more subtlety. There, there, there's more uh, There's more things going on and there's great journalism going on. But at the same time, um, you know, uh, News Corp didn't wake up the day after Donald Trump was elected and suddenly changed. Uh on, on some level, have we all been a bit naive? Well, uh, yes, uh, perhaps. Uh, perhaps we've a bit, been a bit naive. I mean, I, I think um, Bernard, wrote, Bernard Keane wrote a piece this week, which, you know, I think is fundamental to this debate, which is what happens on Fox News? We kind of 
I think we sort of dismiss it as a bunch of, you know, raving right wing nut jobs. But the truth is, and as we saw on January the 6th, what, what happens in Fox News spreads an, an illness, a sickness. And we have so much skin in the game of a US democracy being, you know, existing. You know, I don't, I don't think we, I think we are naive about this point that, you know, Fox News incited that riot um, and, and there's no, you know, incited this, promulgated and amplified the Trump's big lie that the election was stolen. Um, and, and here we are, and, and if we have this sort of insurrection, that goes to the very heart of American democracy. And what happens in the US has a direct impact on us. I mean, do you think if Trump got back in, he would be doing what Biden's doing on Ukraine? Do you, do, you th do you think Trump would have the same attitude towards, you know, Taiwan and China? I mean, there's, there's an extraordinary number of things that could affect us. Do you think the, you know, the, the alliance, uh, you know, AUKUS, I mean, God, go, don't, you know, go any place that affects us. So that's why what happens in Fox News is so, so important to what happens to our own country in our own region. And then uh, people, that perhaps is the bit we're a bit slow to realise. Uh, Janine, I mean, a lot of people say Sky News is and Fox News, but is it just, is that true? Or is it just because Sky News doesn't have the audience reach of Fox News? Well, obviously it doesn't have the audience reach. It doesn't have the influence. Um, but then other News Corp newspapers, tabloids do, and they don't seem to have the same political influence that they would like to, I don't think. Um, I say it's not Fox News because while it's had some... Um, uh, I don't know how you describe them, some, some similarly offensive or dangerous comments made by certain commentators there. It is not the norm. as It's more entertainment than dangerous. Or Now, that could be naive that it's early days, but you do have to pay for Sky here. It's not the ABC, where it's very, very broad in the US. One thing I will point out, though, that has been a disturbing trend is some of the more extreme views, one of whom's not there anymore, had been distributed on YouTube. This has been, now this is the axis, everybody attacks the main, main, mainstream media, the Murdoch media, Fox. YouTube, Twitter, YouTube has been running a lot of Sky. They've been making a lot of money on that and running that. And I think one of the January 6 rioters had been holding up a YouTube um, video from an Australian Sky commentator. So when I say Sky is not Fox, it's probably the dangers being going more back the other way than here. But we can't just isolate uh, the Murdoch press without how YouTube is amplifying it. Now, YouTube did discipline Sky this year over some things, but uh, Twitter, there's a whole other area which uh, is not as regulated, nobody talks about, where it can be just as dangerous. I, I absolutely agree. Um, uh, Crikey's Cam Wilson spends a lot of time writing about what happens on YouTube and other parts of the, of the online space, and I agree totally that there is... A massive debate to be had about how we regulate people. We did a story this week with people being knocked off of YouTube, ending up on another, you know, platform called Rumble. You know, I this is a, a big game of whack-a-mole, and it's a game that I'm afraid we're destined to keep doing. You know, it's there, there's no end of this, um, and that's why that's why really that good, honest, ethical journalism becomes so important. You're listening to For the State on the Community Radio Network. This week we're talking about Crikey versus Lachlan Murdoch defamation case and the Australian defamation law more broadly. I'm joined by Crikey's editor-in-chief Peter Frey and journalist Janine Parrott.
Look, last week, the Age's chief reporter, Chip Legrand, wrote uh, a pretty harsh take on all parties involved in this matter, Peter. Uh, I'm assuming you've read it. Did, did he make any valid points? I've sort of forgotten Chip's piece. Um, <laughs> I, I was, I was sort of vaguely, I was vaguely sort of uh, put out by him suggesting well, that I always thought I was one of the smartest people in the room. Which, if anyone knows me, I would know that that's a prime weird thing to say about me. But anyway, uh, Chip. Yeah, look, I don't, I don't know what the genesis of Chip's piece was. It was a contrarian piece. The, we, we've got broad shoulders. Chip's allowed to. Um, write what he likes. Um, I noticed that the day or so afterwards, the age ran an editorial, which essentially backed Crikey up. So, you know, that's the age's, if you like, official editorial point of view. Yeah. And you know, look, we should have a diverse, we should have a diverse media. If, if, if Chip or anyone wants to have a crack, you know, they, they you know, yes, bring it oh, on. Well, you know? I mean, Can I just say it was an entertaining piece, but I was more disturbed. I mean, I thought it was great that, that we have different views. And I, I thought there was a couple of things there, not the personal assault on Peter, of course, which was a funny line though. Um, but I thought there were some interesting points raised there. But to me, the bigger concern was the Fairfax papers, not as I still call them, not taking the ad that Crikey wanted when they run Clive Palmer ad. So I, I found that odd. Yes, sure, have in your opinion page a different view. And I thought it was good to have a different view. But I still have never heard the answer, I don't know if Peter has, on why the New York Times, all these other media organisations accepted the ad about this. But our own... Yeah, the New York Times and the Canberra Times, and it's important to mention the Canberra Times, both ran that ad. Um, uh, we had, we're still not clear why um, Fairfax 9 didn't run the ad. Uh, one viewpoint was, oh, well, you know, you're a subscription-based news business, therefore you're in competition with us, which, which, which seems a little bit over, over, overreaching, but, you know, perhaps it's lovely to think that we're in competition with the City Morning Herald and the Age and the AFR. I think we are, you know, uh, why not? But anyway, and the other was we don't want to piss off the Murdochs. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I, take, take your pick. That's an interesting thing, and I, I was thinking when I read Chip's piece, just in the back of my mind, you know, is the duopoly that we have in this country now just a little bit too cosy? Having said that, I did think he made a couple of points we should talk about, and one of them was that uh, you know he made the point that you know bashing the Murdochs is good business for Crikey. Is that mm. true? And how, in your mind, what Crikey does is different to the Australian going after the ABC? Oh, well, that's a great question. I mean, point one, question, the first part of your question is, you know, Crikey has, throughout its 22-year history, uh, offered robust commentary on all parts of the media. Uh, we are pretty robust about the ABC at times. We're uh, robust about nine, nine facts. Uh, and yes, we're very robust about um, Murdoch, but then why wouldn't we? I mean, we you know, I mean, we need to call this stuff out. I mean, the, the position of power and influence of Murdoch media in this country is what, as every, everyone listening would know. I mean, it's obviously a matter of public debates. So we should have robust commentary about that. I, and we have various viewpoints in, in Crikey about all sorts of media. So I, I don't resolve from that for one second. This sort of, sort of thing that's been put around that we're attacking uh, the... Murdoch's just because for a subscription drive is not true. We are attacking, we are in this case because of free speech. The fact that people have sought to, you know, support us by taking a subscription, that's great. The fact that we've raised, you know, over $400,000 in our GoFundMe campaign is fantastic. And I thank everyone for that. But at the heart of this, this is about free speech. 
So that's where we're coming from. Um, are we the same as the as the news going after the ABC? No, I don't think so because uh, clearly the News Corp, in particular the Australian, and I know there have been plenty of studies about this. I mean, they're they're kind of obsessed with the ABC. I mean, they they're obsessed with the ABC because the the Murdochs going again back to Keith Murdoch have had a long multi generational hatred of uh, of public broadcasting. Because, of course, the ABC is a massive competitor to, for the eyeballs of News Corp. So it's a commercial decision as well as anything else. So um, I don't think you can imply the same, you know, we're not seeking to uh, offer robust critique of the Oz or any of the other News Corp uh, properties because we think they shouldn't be in the market. I mean, I have said many, many times that there needs to be greater diversity in our media market, not less. It would be a very sad day if, you know, we lost, you know, the joys of Sky. Um, <laughs> Peter, I just don't want to pick up on that though. Uh, while I'm I'm supporting free speech and what you're doing, and very bold, brave, all those words, I was slightly worried that. Um, and good on you getting more subscriptions. We all want that. I've been a contributor to Crikey, very proud contributor over the years. But um, I had started to get a bit worried that I was just every day I got my Crikey Daily that maybe you were becoming a little obsessed on this Lachlan Murdoch thing. There were an awful lot of stories and I just, I'm pleased to see you're getting back to your good um, broader political and business journalism and whatever because we wouldn't want it to look like you were becoming a little obsessed. No, I mean, look, to be honest, Ginny, it's obviously hard when uh, someone like Lachlan Murdoch is attacking you. He's front and centre of my mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, every day, I, I, you know, that's just understandable. And, and when we decided to take the take Lachlan on, obviously he was, we were going to write a lot about it. Um, I don't, I don't resolve from that for one second. But yes, no, I agree. Thank you for saying that. Um, we are look. I, I think you know we try to be, um, we try to upset all sides really, because isn't that the job of journalism? You know, uh, we. I, I, I make, again, I make no, um, we upset, you know, if you read today's crikey, there's probably a pretty robust piece about the Greens, um, uh, probably be the lead of, the, of, of today's crikey, um, which might upset some people who think we are, we are kind of part of some green left conspiracy, which we're not. Let's return to a point that Janine made earlier, and it's the last point I want to uh, discuss about Legrand's piece. He said, Bernard Keane wasn't doing investigative journalism. He was basically, the offending article was opinion. Uh, mm. What do you, the two of you say to that? And, you know, is that distinction pivotal uh, perhaps to the defence that this is in the public interest? If I could go first on that. Yep. Um, I Because I'm not going to litigate on this radio show or our defence, so yep. please excuse me for that. But I would make the point, and I thought it was a really curious thing for Chip to write. What it suggested to me was that um, there's a kind of hierarchy of journalists, journalisms that deserve legal protection. Now, I am an enormous supporter and have been throughout my career of investigative journalism. It is a remarkably important and difficult thing to do, full stop. But the idea that just because Bernard's piece was some sort of analysis and it didn't deserve the same sort of legal protections as I think you used the BRS case uh, as an example, it, it seems to be rather absurd. I, I don't didn't quite understand that, to be honest. Janine, can opinion be in the public interest? Uh, of course it can. If we don't have opinion, you get a different opinion, differing opinion, you get an echo chamber. The danger, it's obvious that for the interests of good democracy, you need a robust and 
diverse opinion. Um, again, I don't want to prosecute the crikey case, because, uh, but I do think what Chip Legrand, I mean, a bit of a chip maybe on the nine Fairfax shoulders on it, but the point that this ludicrous, and this comes back to the defamation, this Ben Robert Smith case, that there has been, this will be a record in Australia, $25 million spent on this. Now, it's obviously that's investigative journalism, but it, it, it's a much bigger story about how much, who has the pockets to that, even Crikey taking on Lockwood. Obviously, this is, is the important issue, and I can see why Nine is a bit sensitive about it. Adele Ferguson, Kate McClymont are two of our greatest investigative journalists. They're very dear friends of mine. I see day in, day out, um, the toll it takes on them to do those stories, the backing they need for it. So while all journalism is good journalism, we shouldn't start um, trying to, to fight each other within each other. I do understand a bit where the nine newspapers are coming from. I mean, the Headley Thomas one, great. But day in, day out, Nick McKenzie, Kate McClymond, Adele are, are just doing such vital work and they have to fight these ridiculous defamation laws, which maybe Crikey will be the first to test them. But I'm just not sure. And I think that most people who... I, I'm there when people come up on the street and congratulate Kate and thank her for what she's doing. She saved taxpayers' money. But I don't think they realise what goes on behind the scenes. And these, these tweaks to defamation law, I hope they work, but it doesn't stop good journalists having to spend most of their time talking with lawyers over frivolous and, and bullying and threats from other people you don't see, not as high profile as Lachlan Murdoch. And that disturbs me. Well, look, Crikey has a GoFundMe to raise money for the, the coming legal battle. Peter, have you been amazed by the level of support shown so far? Oh, yeah. No, we. I think where are we up to? About 440K this morning. Uh, fantastic. I mean, uh, and, you know, I know there's been a few high-profile people like Malcolm Turnbull and Kevin Rudd have put in some serious money, but every dollar, every dollar. I mean, you know, some people are putting in five bucks, uh, some, you know, 10 bucks, this sort of thing. So... I think we've hit a nerve here. Um, I think, look, Kevin Rudd's petition for a Royal Commission to Murdoch had nearly, what was it, 500,000 signatures. So there's clearly uh, a lot of people in this country are concerned about the Murdoch influence. So we've hit, you know, and I thank everyone who's done that. Um, we estimate we need, our GoFundMe target is 3 million. So we are, we've got a way to go yet. Uh, look, on, and on that number, Bernard Keane on Fourth Estate just two weeks ago said that for small media organisations, one large defamation case is an existential threat. Peter, is, is Crikey going to disappear if you lose? No. Crikey will, will definitely not disappear if we lose. I, I, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, without fear of contradiction, I'm sure that Crikey will be here after we've gone through the machinations of this case. And look, we spend a lot of time on Fourth Estate talking about media concentration in this country, but it, it does seem interesting that the ABC, News, Nine, the, the, those big organisations can afford to take on a, a big defamation case without passing around the bucket. Mm. You know, for smaller media organisations, we have a fundamental problem in this country, don't we? Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. And, and look, this is, not a, this is not breaking news. Uh, but our defamation laws are more often than not used by rich people to um, suppress information about them um, and to suppress free, free debate. I mean, that's not breaking news, but there is something fundamentally wrong uh, because the law should be open to everyone and uh, the, the laws of defamation should encourage 
support robust debate, uh, no matter how big you are. And yes, it's not right that uh, access to defamation laws, you know, skews towards big media organisations. It's clearly, clearly not right. Okay, look, we're a media show and you two work in the news. So, of course, we're going to complain about defamation laws and want more and more reforms. And, and I note that Peter Grester is out arguing strongly for more reforms. But let's also look at the other side of the coin. The Daily Mail just got hit over the head for what, to my mind, was some pretty poor work, even if the, even if we can argue that the case uh, probably shouldn't have happened. You've got ad-friendly Geordies, the Daily Telegraph's rush case to the list. Uh, if you're looking from the outside, the case for reform is a pretty shaky one. Well, no, I'll just pick you up on that. I yep. mean, I, when I say um, we need defamation reform, mm. I don't, that's not an excuse for bad journalism. I mean, I, there has to be rules. Of course there are rules. So yep. I'm not saying there shouldn't be rules. It shouldn't be a free-for-all. And if um, journalism gets it wrong, which it does from time to time, then, you know, so be it. What I'm saying is that we need to be always conscious uh, that the rules are serving the interests of the public. And Janine, would, uh, do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, look, as I said at the outset, I actually believe the greatest threat to free speech here is defamation laws, and I've been saying that for years. So I'm not, I, you know, I'm hopeful that small changes are there. But the fact is, people complain about the concentration of media, but you've just summed up the problem. Small outlets can't survive because of our defamation laws. It doesn't matter if you broke up um, News Corp tomorrow and sold it off to all these wonderful independent groups. As Craig is showing, if you still have rich people, um, wealthy people who can sue, um, you know, they don't even have to win. I mean, it's a war of attrition in many cases. It's the threats, as I talked about. And even those big companies find it difficult. So it is a problem. And I know, as I say, bad journalism is bad journalism. I don't want to um, pick out any particular cases. But when journalists start suing journalists, when politicians, I mean, you talked about Rupert never sued, but Lachlan does. There was a time politicians didn't sue. I mean, we've had Peter Costello years ago. We had the Joe Hockey case. We've had um, Peter Dutton. We've got John Barillaro, for goodness sake. And uh, you know, let's not forget that Eddie Obeid originally won a defamation suit against Kate McClymont, which was paid out years later when it uh, changes. There's nothing you can do when journalists proved right. Uh, the Ben Robert Smith case, I find extraordinary that the defamation case went ahead when there is a concurrent Brereton report on the same issue. So we might have an issue where he wins the defamation case and then we see other cases come out of it. There is something fundamentally wrong with the system there, and I don't want to have to wait 10 years to find out we're right, but media organisations have been absolutely emasculated in the meantime. Okay, we've talked about what happens if Crikey loses. Uh, Peter, what happens if you win? And what does it mean for Crikey and, and for the Australian media? Well, if we win, we'll all go to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, if we win, and I, we will uh, hopefully have made... Uh, uh, well, we will have made, you know, a firm stand in, in favour of free speech. You know, I still go back to my original point. We should, in this country, be able to debate these sorts of things in a robust way. Um, that's the fundamental point we're trying to argue about here. Um, and that's why we've taken, the, you know, the stand we've taken. So if we win, it'll be a great day. It won't be the end of this debate, I'm sure. I mean, like, you know, the sky, the clouds are not going to part and it'll be sunny days in, in journalism and defamation forevermore. Um, but we will have made a, you know, a blow for free speech, that's for sure. And Janine, how would you view a victory? Will it have any lasting impact? Well, I've, I've been relieved to hear that Crikey will exist either way, So, but um, hopefully it will exist in a, a healthier form if they win, for one thing. Um, so there's 
journalists, maybe more money for journalists to be employed, and that's a good thing. Um, but for the broader argument, I do sometimes wonder what will it mean? Will it really change? I'm more of a cynic, perhaps. I mean, I don't know how much it will change. I'd be interested to read the ruling and see whether the new def defamation laws hold up and um, give us cause for hope uh, for change in the way ahead. Yeah, well, one thing I'd just add to that is already uh, there's a, been a positive out of this, which is that we, we and a lot of media around the world are talking about um, Australia's defamation laws. Mm. That, can, that can only be a good thing. Well, finally... Do you, do you think people in America are watching this case closely? And, and when I say people, I, I don't mean the writers of succession. <laughs> well, they should be watching it, the, the writers of succession. But um, yes, absolutely. Well, I mean, we've had remarkable coverage in the United States. Um, it's hard to actually list a major, major and minor media organisation that we haven't had a, 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 you know, been mentioned. So there's a lot of interest in this case. I mean, there's a parallel case happening uh, as, your, as your listeners might know, which involves the voting machine companies um, that Fox News claimed, you know, were responsible for uh, stealing an election from Donald Trump. And in the courts in Delaware, uh, two of the voting machine companies are taking actions against Fox News for very large amounts of sums, uh, you know, billions of dollars are being banded around there. So I, I think, you know, that, that context has given an, an added sort of piquancy to what we're doing down here. On that note, I'd like to thank Crikey's Peter Frey and Janine Perrett. Thank you. And thanks for listening to the program. This edition was recorded at the studios of TRCR and heard across the country on the Community Radio Network. Fourth Estate is produced with the assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Thanks to the Foundation for their continuing support. Make sure you subscribe to Fourth Estate on your favourite podcast app so you can hear us talk media and politics and a lot in between. We'll be back with more next week. But in the meantime, you can stay in touch with us on Twitter. Our handle is 4 Thanks to my producer, Marlene Even. I'm Anthony Dockwell. Thanks for listening.